Welcome to yet another of these 10 Minutes with Coot Street podcasts. This is Gary Wolf, and today I'm talking with uh, Nebula Award winner, historical novelist, science fiction novelist, now fantasy novelist, uh, Worldcon guest of honor, Walter John Williams. How are you today, Walter? Uh, I'm doing really well. I'm hiding from uh, COVID and the sun. And it's hard to do where you, hiding from the sun must be difficult where you are in Albuquerque. Uh, yes. Yeah, well, I'm, 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 it's worse situation than in Albuquerque. I'm out in the country. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing around but fields. <laughs> well, are you, uh, I, I know you've been doing research for, uh, well, I guess a number of things, but what do you find yourself reading in a time like this? Uh, I'm, I generally have several things on the, uh, on the shelf at once. Um, uh, I was reading, uh, Plum Rains by Andromeda Romano Locks, uh, which is a, a science fiction novel taking place in Japan in near future Japan. Um, and I've never heard of that. Uh, it, it features a very, um, uh, a fairly large cast, uh, and it involves it's it's the only novel I've ever read that involves elder care. You know, it's kind of about elder care. Really? It's about an elderly Japanese woman who has a Filipina looking after her, and her son decides, you know, maybe it'd be cheaper just to have a robot do this job. <laughs> and the Filipino is Filipina is in debt to some gangsters back home for sending her over in the first place and getting her this job, and so. You know, that is not an option. And the robot um, uh, has all sorts of ideas. And um, and the, the woman herself turns out to be um, uh, not a native Japanese, but a Taiwanese who served as a comfort woman during the Second World War. Oh, really? And it's uh, it's it, it has a lot of stuff that I like. I mean, it's got a lot of heart. Um, you know, it's got tragedy, it's got comedy, it's got this robot that's trying to make sense out of everything. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, it's, it was a good book. Plum Rains. I, I don't know anything about the author and this is literally the first time I've ever heard of this book. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it does sound like it's one of these things that deals with kind of cultural issues that don't get treated much in science fiction at all. No, no. And, you know, and I, I think the author knows her way around Japan. I can't be certain of it, but it, mm -hmm. it convinced me. But what do I know? That's, uh, well, that's, that's all a writer has to do is convince you. Yeah. Uh, what else have you been reading lately? I mean, I, I assume that you'd be reading things about uh, the rise of industrialization for your Quillifer novels. Well, I, uh, I, I have been reading a lot of uh, Wikipedia about that. Okay. <laughs> We'll just, just, put that down. Know, just cutting straight to the chase. OK, right. you know, how, how do you build a crucible? You know, right. uh, so. Um, so I've been I, I haven't been reading a lot, but in, in terms of Elizabethan stuff or Jacobean stuff. Yeah, uh, I have been doing some comfort reading here okay. with the plague outside the door. And and my comfort reading is um, uh, Mistress of Mistresses by E.R. Edison. Really? Yeah. But uh, everybody, I mean, uh, that's that's just strikes me as being really unusual. Everybody's read The Worm Ouroboros, and a few people have read, uh, what's the other one? Uh, uh, it's The Mezentian Gate. Mezentian Gate, yeah. yeah. But Mistress of Mistresses 
even though I think it was part of the Ballantine Adult Fantasy series. It was, yeah. They okay. all yeah, uh, you're the first person I've talked to in years who's who's read that. Um, I, I think it's a magnificent achievement, and it's it's fantasy from the 1920s. Yeah. Before the rules about fantasy had got hard. So he he could he could pretty much put anything in his fantasy novel. He mm -hmm. wrote it in Jacobean prose, which is um, off-putting to some people. I realize. Yeah, some 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 people wouldn't like that. Um, it's it's full of uh, erudite philosophy, mostly uh, from out of Spinoza, uh, and and a little bit of Nietzsche thrown in, um, and uh, and his his characters. Um, are ostensibly living on the planet Mercury, yeah, in a kind of fantasy world. But um, you know, they are they they read and write in ancient Greek. They're familiar with the works of Sappho. Um, they know the Norse sagas and quote them in the original Norse. <laughs> I mean, because there was nobody to say you can't do that in fantasy. That isn't consistent. No, and I think one of the things fantasy writers from that era could do was just pick out a planet and use that instead of creating a fantasy world. I mean, C.S. Yeah. Lewis just picked out, well, he picked out both Mars and Venus. Right, yeah. And clearly paid no attention at all to any kind of astronomical information. <laughs> no, no, and, uh, but, see, Mercury works because his characters are merc mercurial. Mercurial, so that's kind of a... So it's, it's, it works as a metaphor, if, you know, if not as uh, uh, astrophysics. It's like science fiction fans who discover Gustav Holtz's The Planets... Uh -huh. thinking it's something science fictional and you realize it's all astrology basically yeah <laughs> well what, what so comfort reading is something that's fascinating and that's unusual anything else um i i a couple weeks ago i read about uh an author named david goodis who now has a collection out in the library of america yes and he has and one was, famous novel uh, uh Oh, it? well, yeah, it was uh, A Dark Passage, that one? That's not the one I'm thinking of. Oh, okay, because that was the one that was made in a movie with Bogart and Bacall. Okay, maybe it is. Maybe that yeah. is, but uh, it seems... Okay, anyway, so he's. I didn't know he had a, a collection in the Library of America. Well, it's it's just out, and guess huh. what? You can download it. Um, oh, really? So I was thinking, I you know, he's a hard-boiled novelist. I like hard-boiled right. novels, and I'd never heard of him. And so, you know, I don't, he's got more than one collection out, as it turns out, and I downloaded one of them. And uh, uh, he was quite a good writer. He, he was uh, very vivid. Um, he didn't, he writes hard-boiled fiction, but he doesn't write mysteries. Nobody's trying to solve the murder. Right. You know, the way that characters out of Hammond or Chandler would do. Uh, you know, they're mostly just morally confused people who are trying to survive another 24 hours. So he kinds of anticipates Elmore Leonard kinds of plots, which aren't really mysteries either. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 in the same league, um, and so uh, um, you know some someone else I never heard of, um, who I'm enjoying. That's another great. Uh, how did you come across that? I just read the article about his his appearance in the Library of America. Oh, okay. And it was I think it was in the New York Times. I'm not sure, but it was a, quite a lengthy article about him. And uh, and I thought, okay, I got to check this guy out. Yeah, they've done a lot of good stuff uh, with hard boiled fiction. I mean, there's one hmm. collection of hard boiled novels of the '50s that have um, oh, Jim Thompson and people like that in it. Yeah, yeah. 
and there's a good collection of women crime writers of the 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. edited by the same woman who wrote that new biography of Lolita that uh, was just out a few months ago. Oh, okay. So, Interesting. So anyway, anyway uh, but but G- David Goodis isn't somebody you'd return to for comfort reading. I mean, no, uh, no. Edison. I, he was somebody I wanted to discover. Yeah, great. And I'm having well, a good time discovering it. Well, the other the other thing, of course, we always talk about in these is I know you've got a new Praxis novel coming out. What toward the end of the year? In December, yeah. In December. As, as assuming publishing is existing in December, but yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but it is a uh, it is the well, depending on how you count it, either the fifth or the seventh volume in the Praxis series, um, and. Uh, you know, and and fortunately, between now and December, anyone listening to this can read the first books in the series. Oh, because you can start up. right now, you oh, know, great. and then uh, prepare for, uh, you know, prepare for the, the, the other book coming out in, in uh, December. Well, The Accidental War came out a uh, year before last, 2018. Yeah. And so, as I understand it, the, the, the title of the new one is... Uh, it's a uh, fleet elements, fleet elements. Yeah. And as, as I, because I, I, I got a promote, I don't have a copy, but I did get a nice promotional email. The publish, oh. I, I assure you the publishers are, if not sending out a lot of books, they're certainly flooding the emails. Okay. Uh, and that says that this is more or less a direct follow up to the accidental war, but fits yeah. in with the larger earlier praxis series but that, in fact, this is kind of a new Praxis series. Is that correct? Well, it's um, I I when I created this series, which is 20 years ago. Yeah. Embarrassed to admit, uh, I I just wanted to do something huge, a uh, far future series, and it's you know, and yeah, I intended it for it to run uh, nine or 12 volumes, depending on if I got bored. <laughs> there was one. One sequence of three books that I I could uh, I felt were expendable, uh, but uh, so far I'm not bored. Well, that's uh, good. And uh, and you know you can really I, I'm I'm trying to create a world that you can really sink into. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in other words, a space opera world that works like a fantasy world. Yeah, that sounds. Well, I mean I remember reading the earlier ones. I have not read the Accidental War yet, but mm-hmm. uh, you certainly have some. Good support in people like George Martin. Uh, yes, who, yes, he's been very good. Uh, well, actually, what about both uh, my current series? So, well, yeah, and the the other uh, the other series which uh, which I'm very fond of and would like to see more of, of course, is Quillifer. Um, yeah. Uh, and, well, I'm I'm working on the third Quillifer now. Good. And um, since I have nothing to do, it's I'm writing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've about sounds- I've about doubled my daily output um, without actually spending any more time on it i don't know what's going i think i've reached the point in the book where uh i i all i have to do is resolve all the various plots happening and i know how to do that well yeah it's 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 got to be comforting when you get to a point in the novel where the work you have left to do is work that you already know uh, from muscle muscle memory how to do yeah i remember talking to peter one of Peter Straub's novels, he he'd written a very good novel. I can't remember which one it was, one of his recent ones. And then he, and he said to me, he had to go over the manuscript because he forgot to put the scary but scary bits in, uh-huh. the Peter yeah. Straub bits. And he said, but I know how to do that, so I just 
went in and did it. And it's uh-huh. like, uh, you know, uh, you focus on the things that you're interested in and then the things that you know how to do, it's kind of downhill, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I've, I've heard uh, uh, George Martin uh, say much the same same thing. Yeah. Riding along on Game of Thrones and then he realized he forgot to put fantasy in. Right, exactly. <laughs> Although today, uh, in today's world, you can get away with that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, although not so much with game, uh, you know. With, well, with not with the Game Mark. of Thrones. That's, yeah. <laughs> people, people are going to kind of expect fantasy. They, they, they don't. I'm That's sure they're true. enjoying the soap opera too, but uh, but the fantasy is a big draw in that series. Um, it is, but the politics is. It's the same thing with the with the Quillifer series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a historical novel in a non-historical setting, but. Right. The, but the the kind of intrigue that goes on in it is uh, is fascinating in a way that doesn't always need the fantasy, but the fantasy is nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I, it's 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 a low fantasy world, but the fantasy mm-hmm. is there. And uh. And and one thing is, Quillifer is not a magician. I guess yeah, yeah that's he's just a guy. So he's yeah. he's not out learning magic and any of that stuff. He's he's got other concerns. Well, I think I think I may have said this in a review, and if I didn't, I probably meant to. He's kind of a science fiction character in a fantasy universe. He doesn't have any special powers, but he knows how to figure things out. Yeah, he's well, he's 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 finding himself in a milieu where he doesn't that he doesn't understand, and so yes, he is trying to work things out. Right. Well, we're past our ten minutes, as I I always am with these things. Yeah, but, well, hey. Anyway, uh, again, it's been uh, 10 minutes today. Uh, this is Gary Wolf. It's been 10 minutes with Walter John Williams. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, pleasure to be here. <laughs>